Welcome back, everyone. This is the Earth Dawn Survival Guide podcast. I am, of course, Dan. With me on the other end of the of the uh, microphone is Josh. Hello, everybody. And on to podcast for novices and masters alike. Oh, yes. And today we will be talking about all things quizzical, multifunctional, and uh, one, in fact, pronunciational. <laughs> we will be talking about philo subtegeminis. So. That's your Latin for the day, and that's my Latin for the year, and I'm done with Latin. Uh, we'll be talking about threads a little <laughs> later on, but first we have some emails to get to, and I'm pretty sure everyone wants Josh's answers and not mine, so I'll be asking the questions <laughs> on behalf of you, the listeners. But if you have your own questions about anything you've heard us talk about in the previous dozen and a half podcasts or this one today, please feel free to email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com, and Josh will uh, make sure we get them read to you on the next podcast down the line so yes gotta, before before we yes. get to the questions though i actually Fair. do want to mention something here real quickly yes. because i podcast sort of need to, to make this public <laughs> so a couple of episodes ago there was a question about uh, one of the one of joel's questions was about modifiers okay not the, not the big big secret not not the big not the big secret okay. no gotcha. um i don't know what big secret he's talking about Me either. i haven't heard of it no the, the about the about the modifiers and when they applied i as part of my answer on that kind of made a, a glib offhand comment that i i realized might lacks a lot of context <laughs> for everybody who would be listening and and want to kind of like publicly mea culpa this mm-hmm. Um, which is that that I like gave an answer and then said that Morgan would probably be upset with me if my answer, my interpretation didn't match his. That is a I, I, I realize that trouble? that is a sort of a, an internal I well, <laughs> I, I didn't get in trouble, okay. but that is that is an internal sort of joke between Morgan and myself. Mm-hmm. We have been working very closely together for many years, yes. and we work really well together. And I absolutely appreciate the effort. Um, like a lot of the, like a lot of the sort of commentary that I've been giving about the the disciplines. Morgan did a lot of the work on deciding the optional talents and kind of like defining the thematic lines for for the for the different disciplines and how you can do mm-hmm. different approaches to them and and how like the talent choices and whatnot all kind of play into certain themes. He did a lot of the work on that. He he really did. And so a, a lot of what I've been providing is commentary on these, setting aside the historical context of where talents might have been mm-hmm. and, and changes that were made. But a lot of the choices and oh yeah, this plays into the theme of like defense or this plays into the theme of perception yeah. that, that goes in for a lot of those disciplines is is really a lot of his work. So we have spent sixteen episodes of the podcast not giving enough credit to Morgan Weeks. Part of the other developer on the team. And so, and so my, my comment about like that he would be upset with me is, is largely the, the knack that I have of being a little bit more glib and off the cuff and freeform in terms of giving my rulings and decisions on stuff mm-hmm. that do not necessarily line up with the ideas that he had in mind when doing some of the the mechanical work and he has done a lot of mechanical work yes. so that that was not intended in any way as a slight to as, morgan. as it was as as a slight to morgan <laughs> at all it is it is absolutely a like you know i it, it is it is more of a self-deprecating like i've given an answer and it might be that it was actually intended to work a certain way and i have said something that is different from that and that is my <laughs> You know, that is absolutely my screw up. Um, and again, a, a lot of the, um, you know, some of the other comments that I make and so forth are the result of discussions that, that I have had with him, that we have had within the, the Earth Dawn design team, um, because of how much work he has done on the underlying mechanics and, and everything relating to that. So that, that is absolutely, you know, full, full credit to Morgan. I, I, you know, try and say as often as I can that, you know, while in some ways it is, a it is absolutely a it is absolutely a team effort and a collaboration. We would not be where we are without him and Kyle and Carl and Michael and Andy um, yes. in terms of, of getting mm-hmm. these books done and out the door. I will be completely honest when we were getting towards the end of the like in, in, in sort of the midst of the original Kickstarter development and trying to get books out. I before we really brought like the other people on as more full-fledged members of the team, I was absolutely drowning 
uh, in terms of just not being able to get stuff done. And it is absolutely through their support and help and effort that it did. Contributions, yes. So you you may have noticed that in the, if you look at the credits in the more recent books, that it has shifted from me yes. being credited as line developer to there being an earthed on mm-hmm. like there's a there's a project lead. The, the person who is creatively sort of in, in charge of that project. Um, and then there is the development team and my knack for understanding the, and, and keeping in my head the broader shape of the story of bar save and mm-hmm. earth dawn and stuff. Even if I don't necessarily have all of the specific details called being able to call to mind, yeah. I tend to know where to look to find things. And, and having a good, what I believe is a good, strong understanding of story, both from a broad storytelling standpoint, but also from a, how to apply that in particular to role playing games and, and mm-hmm. writing adventures and storylines that player characters get involved with. I think that is a strength that I bring to things. Whereas, as I have admitted multiple times, I am not a huge, number cruncher super tactical. <laughs> like, I like them. I have no problems with them. I've done a lot of work analyzing yeah. the numbers, but. I, I yes. do not have the your math nerd only goes so far. Yeah, like you know uh, that that we each bring our our own particular strengths to the table. Morgan oh, brings an absolute yeah. wealth of valuable support uh, to two things, mm-hmm. and you know any any you know so so do not let anybody think that my off the cuff comment a couple of weeks ago um, <laughs> was anything except. You know, deepest appreciation on my part for Morgan and and an, and, and an inside joke and more intended as a, you know, and I've probably screwed something up. So like that is all on me <laughs> um, in that regard. So on behalf of Morgan and the rest of the team who finally are getting their, their credit well, spoken publicly, Josh is merely the public face. I, I, I am. Yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing as I, I do, I think, interact well with the audience and the and the fan base. So far. <laughs> All of our feedback has been positive. So, you know, again, (laughs) finding, finding like people to help, especially where this is like done in, in spare time and whatnot, absolutely could not do it without them. And so, yes, you know, again, that is, it was, it was intended more as a, you know, and I am frequently an idiot and don't know what I'm talking about. So take that as it is. It's a podcast. So we won't lose any advertisers (laughs) because it's only a podcast. So we're okay there. So with that, so, uh, uh, on, to, on to questions where I will endeavor to do my best to answer, but understand that um, – That's you. We got a fantastically long, detailed, gushing story about someone else's love of Earthon, as, as deep as ours is, in fact, from a guy named Matthew. And I love people named Matthew. Yes. So, But uh, we're not going to read that whole thing on the air. I think Josh's apology covered uh, our time frame <laughs> on that one. Yes, blame it on me. That's fine. I'm, so. I'm accepting <laughs> – it's been one of those weeks. No, it's okay. It's okay. That's a, it's an inside joke between Josh and me. So he has a, about four questions for us as well, but I will read all of these as I possibly can. On episode three of the podcast, he's keeping track. We're not. Uh, we went through how to pronounce the name of the passions, but we left out one of yes, them. Yes. Apparently, I did not go back to check to see if we actually didn't. It just got like swallowed or whatever. I didn't. Well, there's 12 of them. It's so possible. We, we got oh, um, the, the one that so, he said we missed was Floranus, which is how I pronounce it. Um, it does have a, have a uh, double... As in double, as in two yeah. of them, you, not a W, yes. a mm-hmm. double yeah. U. And yes. so, so I would also accept Floranus, although that extra syllable really strikes me as awkward when I'm saying it. Yeah. My brother, the linguist, uh, my late brother, the linguist, actually always pronounced it as Floranus. That's a, you know, that actually, that actually could work. <laughs> that is, that is, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, if, if I, well, if I, well, if, if, I mean, if, if you came to me and said, this being is called Floranuus, I probably would not spell mm-hmm. it that way, but that's just me. No, I agree. I, no, I agree with you. I just, my brother studied like yeah. 17 languages. Yeah. So I mean, with, if okay. you're, if you're it going sounds- with that doubled letter, that would indicate either something like it's, it's held longer. So it'd be Floranus. Yeah. You know, or like as a mm-hmm. as a distinctive broken si- second like additional syllable, or maybe it's Nordic Floranus. Um, so yeah, I mean fl- Floranus is usually how I do it. I don't drag out the the extended U 
Floranuus never yeah, occurred to me because I would usually spell that with yeah. a Y and do something funky to indicate the actual syllable breaks a bit more clearly. Because the only other word I can think of that has a double U. I, I would avoid extraneous apostrophes because those bug me, but that's an entirely different rant. Oh, totally. Uh, the only other word I can think of that has a double U is vacuum. Vacuum, yeah. So Floranuus. If you're going to. Yes, would make absolute yeah. sense to me. So I think Floranuus. Floranuus. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's a. It's a made-up word, so yeah. go with whatever you want. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, he also never knows what to do with the W's. And like I said, this is the only only word I can think of is the vac is yeah. vacuum. The only one I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, so next question. In episode 10, he really is keeping track. He's like powering through these uh, podcasts. During the dwarf primer, there wasn't a lot said about the Scythen dwarves. No, that's there true. There very few references to them in the fourth edition books that aren't weapon related or about when they started losing their children yeah. before the scourge. Are all the Scythen dwarves essentially gone now? Perhaps fully integrated into the role at this point? Yeah, Probably it's you know the so he's referring to uh, up in north eastern Barsave, um, so you've got the Thrall Mountains and the Kingdom of Thrall, which are kind of in the middle of the province, roughly speaking, geographically. Just mm-hmm. northeast of those, on the other side of the Serpent River from the Thrall Mountains, are the Kalkovic Mountains, and those are mm-hmm. divided largely because you've got the river running between them, but more or less they're sort of one contiguous mountain range, geographically yes. speaking. And then mm-hmm. beyond that, a little bit further north, when you start getting almost up to the edge of Barsave, you've got a smaller mountain range called the Scython Mountains. And there was, and it's referenced in, I think, the Thrall source book, the, the Kingdom of Thrall source book, when you're talking about the history of that a little bit, um, that there was a yes. separate dwarf kingdom that existed there mm-hmm. um, prior to the Scourge, but they largely, they suffered pretty badly at the at the hands of the scourge and some and there is not a lot of information about them there there have always been some ideas floating around in the greater sort of earth dawn whatever about you know not just fourth edition but just in previous editions and whatnot uh, about the scython dwarves in the former the former kingdom of scytha um i think a lot of the survivors of that when they started having the the problems there that the kingdom largely collapsed and that these survivors either have been sort of scattered to the various small villages and whatnot, or largely integrated with the, the, the kingdom of Thrall. That that's, you know, and and that there, I know that, um, and this actually ties in a little bit to his next question. Yes. With regards to, you could certainly look at that as dwarves of, of Scythian heritage within the kingdom of Thrall might be, even after all these centuries, um, continue to sort of try and maintain that, that cultural identity, um, in the same way that you have the different broader speaking clan factions in Thrall as well. But no, it's not something that, that is addressed much in fourth edition, largely because we haven't really decided what, if anything, we're going to do with it. Scytha. So feel free to submit an essay. <laughs> Scytha is similar in some respects to the the fallen orc uh, orc the fallen troll kingdom of Ustrecht. Um, is similar in mm-hmm. some in in also in some respects to to Landis, the fallen human kingdom in Southwest Barsave. Um, in that it is an mm-hmm. area that was a significant power before the scourge has since basically ceased to exist except in legends and history. And there may be people that are interested in rebuilding it in some way. I think because we have the dwarf kingdom of Thrall, there is less of an intention to do anything with them as far as expanding dwarf culture. Like the way that you have with the elves and Bloodwood, the way that you have with the orcs and Carafod, the way that you have with the Tuscrang and like the Serpent River. There's no fallen Tuscrang yes. nation, broadly speaking. Like you've mm-hmm. got, say, House to Cambrus, which was kind of wiped out and is kind of and is back in a different form these days. Yeah. But there's just not a lot about them and and largely because we haven't decided what, if anything, was to be done with them, because there wasn't really a whole lot that was left in previous notes and whatnot that was planned for them. Um, I think it's one of those mm-hmm. sort of vaguely blank spaces on the map that, at least for now, people should feel free to do what they want with. Yeah, fair enough. We'll fill in those later, maybe ever. In the fourth edition timeline, we've made it to 1517, and he really likes the changes so far, so it's good. good on you. I also know the, the Barsaven Chaos second edition book has been retconned, but is there anything in there that still made the current outline 
more horror cloud problems, horror stalkers, March of the Undead. Well, so horror stalkers came back. Um, they appear in the Mystic Paths book, which was re- which is available in PDF, and we are waiting for the printer to tell us that they have finished actually assembling the physical books and ship them to our supplier so we can start shipping them out. As of this recording, we will let you know when we get them. We are still waiting on that. We are supposed to. We are in fact supposed to get a picture of one of the assembled deluxe editions like this week. Um, and I have not seen it yet. Yeah. So, so the horror stalkers, like in terms of like the storyline that was in Barsabian Chaos with regards to the horror stalkers, no, we didn't really do anything with that. But the horror stalker exists and has an essay and a, a full sort of fourth edition write up as a path in the Mystic Paths book. So take a look there. Um, yes. it's a, it's a really good Absolutely. essay, as is all of the material in there. That, that, that was a, a fantastic. Shameless plug. Shameless. <laughs> the the horror the, so, there are fragments of the horror cloud still floating around mm-hmm. they we are aware of that and may or may not deal with them at some point in the future you know the the major like the full storm head itself was broken up it does mention in in the fourth edition timeline that there are little fragments still drifting around but we haven't really done anything as far as focusing on them as a threat the march of the undead from parlance to vivane is not a thing. <laughs> I I had Well the Undead there's Yeah. So we still nuked, figuratively speaking, nuked Vivane. Like the city is is mm-hmm. destroyed. The idea that I much. had for handling it, I was never super crazy about the idea of turning it into a a city of undead as a result of the like having the result of the horror cloud being that it's now a city of the undead. Because we've already got Parlength, mm-hmm. and and it and it seems yeah. and and it seems to me like oh well let's do another one of those. I don't know. It it just it doesn't seem necessary. It doesn't seem particularly like I'm sure that it is possible to take that idea and do something different with it than you do with the cadaver men and twice born and stuff in Parlength. But if you are going to have the cadaver men have the 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 undead nation Twiceborn's kingdom migrate from Parlength to Vivane, then you are just transplanting it. You're not necessarily doing anything new or different. I could I yeah. could see reasons for it to happen. It's just and this may be a result of the second edition team's execution of the idea. It didn't mm-hmm. grasp me in in any way. I, you know, I, I admit I like to see, you know, things get brought up. Like I was saying the other week about about the named horrors, right? Like yes. I don't want to. This is both just sort of a design idea, but also like I don't want to have something just be a reprint or a retread of a, of a previous idea. I want to have something in it that is new or have a slight have a have a different take on it or something that will capture me as as far as as an as an idea as a as a good project to pursue. Because that's the Earth Dawn way. Is we took a fantasy idea in some and regards it on its head. A little you know, bit, I mean, yes. th- like fr- from from one standpoint, the the march of the cadaver men from Parlanth to Vivane. I can understand maybe why they might want to leave. Parlanth is not exactly conducive to long term survival. There's still a lot of nasty stuff there. You know, yes. and and moving to Vivane. And I know in some of Lou's notes from the tail end of the first edition days that there was the idea potentially of using the stuff that happened in. Vivane to introduce some new types of undead. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the big question marks that he had marked on there was maybe we actually are able to bring vampires into Earth Dawn, which is a scary thought. I think we've yes. talked about we <laughs> might have talked about vampires before on the show, but but I know that mm-hmm. like I've brought it up in, in in the past, and that is that blood magic being what it is in Earth Dawn, vampires are a like to do them right opens up a whole different kind of can of worms. That would be a scary, yeah. scary threat. So that that is that is ultimately why I'm not going to have I, I am not interested in having the cadaver kingdom move from Parlance to Vivane. I I liked the idea and I kind of laid some of the groundwork for this in the write-up in the Game Master's Guide of looking at mm-hmm. Vivane and the present situation in Vivane inspired a little bit by like super chaotic time of the post-monarchy French Revolution up until the Napoleonic 
like till Napoleon kind of took power, where you're dealing with mm-hmm. a like this brand new sort of revolutionary. We're building a new society and it's going to be great, but people are still basically awful. And we've got somebody <laughs> we and we've got somebody who is now in power there who is using it for their own sort of self aggrandizement and personal benefit, as opposed to, say, the yeah. more positive direction that the original sort of leader of the Barsavian resistance might have been at. And so we've got a lot of stuff. I can never mm-hmm. remember off the top of my head what that period of time was called in sort of the 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 po- like during the French Revolution where you've got Robespierre and that like period of like 10 to 15 years yes. or so between the death of Louis the 16th mm-hmm. and the ascension of Napoleon where like yes. everybody was losing their heads like it was a crazy crazy time and i i really liked the idea of yeah, I, I um, call that guillotine that, the board that, game. There's a card game called guillotine. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good. No, no, no the card that's what game. I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is the guillotine, the card game is I have that from. I, I, yeah. I liked the idea of, OK, you had the situation where there was the Theron, the Theron superiors and the Barsavian underclass and this war and the cataclysmic event that happened to the city as a result of the horror cloud basically flips that relationship on its head. And like the the mm-hmm. Therans who were left behind without any real support from the Empire are now in a position where they're sort of maybe the underclass and what th- that dynamic can be and the potential situation and stories. And to have a, a place where like things are kind of maybe awful and not great and it's not necessarily the fault of the horrors like so many other things are. That this is just a situation mm-hmm. where people who have been oppressed for a really long time suddenly are in a position where they are in power and yeah. are being led by a demagogue and all of the garbage stuff mm-hmm. that can happen as a result of that. Like, I just yeah. – it, it strikes me as a, as a really, really interesting situation um, that, that can arise there and that interests me and excites me and I can't wait till I have time to actually work on – the Vivane book, but that is that is down the road. Yes, <laughs> so far, so far away. By the way, the Bourbon Restoration was the period of the. No, not the fall of Napoleon. Not no. I'm thinking before Napoleon. Thinking the, it was called like the the okay. the, the Troubles or no? Gotcha, the Troubles gotcha. was Ireland. The Terrors, the Terror, like where we're talking like specifically revolutionary, like when they changed the calendar to be decimal like it was 10 mm-hmm. months and each week had like 10 days and they were breaking hours yeah and they changed yeah they and changed like like they well, they made the the, the 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 day at 10 hours long and each hour was 100 minutes and so forth and so on minutes and yeah that. and they were like doing stuff and like all of the all of the the churches were like converted into temples to reason like it was like the enlightenment like with the with the with the crazy dial turned up to 11 it's a fascinating it's a fascinating yes, period of history. Exactly. Um that not a lot of people like <laughs> really know a lot about in the US. Yeah. I love looking at it as, as an example of how good-intentioned revolution can go so badly wrong if the wrong people end mm-hmm. up in charge. And that's basically what's going on in Vivane, which is why like we don't yeah. need to march the undead there. We've already got a really unstable bizarre situation going on there. Yeah. yeah, you got a bag of chaos going on as, as it is. So anyway, uh, last little point from Matthew before we move on to anything else. Uh, it says, anything we can share in the new Iopos book and how it will be up on Kickstarter? And he wants us to take his money. We will be happy to take your money when it becomes available. I am <laughs> – I mean, you want to donate I am working on the <laughs> preliminary layout for the Iopos book. As of right now, the book is slated to have eight chapters. We've got – Five of them, uh, hold on. Sorry, not, if I'm including like the introductory chap, the, the introductory credits and whatnot, it's nine chapters. Three, four, five, six of them are through preliminary layout. Um, I'm doing some, some work on a chapter that's dedicated to the passions. Um, we've got, uh, and then a couple of other chapters mm-hmm. that are, that are like in almost done with development and will be going to editing. And hopefully I will be getting them to put into preliminary layout the end of this week as we record this, the first week of March. 
as basically as soon as yeah. we have the preliminary layout done so that the book is locked down basically and that we have a book that when the mm-hmm. campaign ends we can boom deliver that pre-release layout draft to all of the backers we'll be we'll be launching the campaign we don't have an exact date yet we are hoping knock on wood that we will be actually be able to be launching that soon i'm not going to say anything more specific than that because <laughs> because <laughs> there's, there's, there's like, a definitive date but like S-O-O-N. you know preliminary soon. so like i said nine like nine chapters six of them are through preliminary layout so two-thirds roughly in terms of chapter count two-thirds of the way through one of those chapters that is done is the largest chapter in the book which is the geography that like goes through all of the different parts of the city and talks about the people there that chapter is through layout so in terms of actual page count and numbers we're actually more than two-thirds of the way through you're three-quarters of the way laid out so pay attention to our social media uh, on facebook discord channel if you're not in there follow me on on twitter um the earth on guild like we will be when we have a date we will be announcing hey it's coming up on this date but tell me, tell me, we're going to have a map of Viopus. Honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. We would like to, okay, because the map of Trevar was the awesome, map of Trevar was. I, I absolutely agree. The map of Trevar was awesome. I am not involved directly in those decisions, so I am not sure. Do not quote me or anything in regards to that. I am. I am not in. I am not in charge of the art. We'll just blame it on the rest of the team. Um, I'm doing layout for the book, but I am not in charge of art procurement or maps yeah. or any of that stuff. Yeah, it's okay. Just had to check. Had to check on behalf of the listeners. All right. So we have one last question from Aaron Devereaux. And I think we got your name right because uh, we talked French all day long. So last question here, then we can move on to the other half of the podcast. So, uh, hi, guys. Hope you keep enjoying and keep do- going with the mm-hmm. podcast. Well, I'm enjoying it. Are you? I am. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking you to Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking to me. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. We'll keep no, going. We'll keep, yeah, we'll keep going. I got no problem with that as long as Josh – Please, please try and get me to shut up about Earth Dawn for five minutes. <laughs> Uh, only when he's sleeping. I still think he might even mumble in his sleep about Earthon. So that's just me. It pumps through his veins like giant rubber pants. <sighs> Vast and jazz. Yes. Vergigorm. Aaron's <laughs> <laughs> question is, how and why did the decision to make the cost of increasing talents for additional disciplines after the first discipline happen? First edition doesn't do this, he claims. Is it just a case of using what third edition had with no further thought about oh, it? Oh, no. Or- there, there is there is a lot of thought plan. behind this. I think I think um, so. So okay, this this is this is a result <laughs> of basically a consequence of the fundamental nature of the Fibonacci series advancement table for raising talents and advancing your circle as a discipline. That yeah. as you advance your character, it gets progressively more expensive to raise your talents, mm-hmm. and consequently to advance in your circle. I have a spreadsheet that I did back in the day that basically calculated the minimum number of legend points required to advance from circle to circle. Yes, I love that. Chart. And basically, it it basically like the amount of time and the amount of legend points required basically is a sort of increasing steepening curve. I am making hand gestures here that Dan can see because of our video chat, but you folks listening at home cannot. (laughs) But basically, you know, imagine like you've got if you have a flat line, if you've got then like a steady like straight line going up, you know, as as things increase. But what happens with Earth Dawn is that it's actually a curve kind of like um, asymptotically approaching infinity. If you were to theoretically kind of carry out the 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 function graph that and I just threw a whole bunch of math terms to sound smart that that people immediately I'm sure got turned off. But yes, but dazzling there, there you go. Logical analysis, um, right? But now. basic, but basically, <laughs> like the curve steepens because you've got the costs at novice tier, and then those costs go up a little bit when you get to journeyman tier, mm-hmm. and they go up again when you get to to warden and master yep. tiers. Okay. In first edition, yes, the cost to because it is like for example. Roughly speaking, I'm not sure the exact numbers on this, but roughly speaking, for the amount of legend points that it takes to go from circle five to circle six, you can go from cir- mm-hmm. from brand new character to circle five yes. or almost to circle five, like something like something, something along, along those yeah. lines. OK, very close. So mm-hmm. there there comes a point where the 
And, and this is also plays into the recommended legend awards on the recommendation, the chart given chart. for the game masters. Okay. Your legend chart. Where the number of adventures and the number of legend awards and the num, and, and so forth that you need in order to advance your circle, because that continue does, doesn't quite increase this at the same rate. There comes a point where some players no longer feel like they are advancing or progressing. At early circles, because you do get to – there's doesn't cost a lot to get there. You can advance circle one, circle two, circle three, mm-hmm. circle four relatively quickly. Once you hit that journeyman tier, things start to slow down. And as we were talking like in the in the upper – in the it other episode, it's not common partially because of this for campaigns to get into ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth circle because of how many mm-hmm. legend points you need and how long it takes to a certain extent to earn those to advance. So, if if a yes, if a player no longer feels that they are advancing and the option is available to pick up a second discipline and for the amount of legend mm-hmm. that it costs for you to advance a couple of your talent ranks and not really see a whole lot of mm-hmm. not- noticeable improvement as a result of that where you can pick <laughs> up an entirely new discipline yeah. and advance it two or three circles and pick up half a dozen new abilities, right? Yeah, it's, it's a whole lot cheaper and it, and it can feed that, for lack of a better term, Skinner box reinforcement of dinging your level, right? To, to borrow some, some mm-hmm. video game terms. And, and so, yes. and so basically what ended up happening is that the commonality of multidiscipline characters, when you look at the stuff back in the nineties of people talking about like posting their characters on websites and discussing their groups and whatnot, the number of multidiscipline characters that you would see in actual play because of how the, the, the mechanics cost mm-hmm. factored in was seemed to be kind of out of proportion to the narrative of how difficult it was for an adept to follow a distinctly separate worldview that would be required to unlock the magic of a second discipline that there was no mechanical mm-hmm. reinforcement in a, in a game setting where there was so much mechanical reinforcement of setting based ideas there yes. was a disconnect mm-hmm. between the mechanics and the narrative good or ill i know lou has talked about has mentioned at times in the past that multidisciplining as a concept may have been a mistake in the first place okay that allowing that as an <laughs> that allowing that as an option was was an issue I also see it as an, it was going to happen eventually. Like, and I, and I can recognize that and, and whatever. Okay. That setting, setting aside that, but mm-hmm. there's a, there's a big mechanical, yes. like numbers thing going on there where just mechanically it's very easy and very rewarding to, oh, pick up another discipline and like complementary mm-hmm. to your primary or whatnot, especially if you're picking up one that has some shared talents, it becomes even easier to accelerate that through, through your circles because yes. you don't, the talents yes. you already have count towards your advancement. You know, the, the most abusive version of that, of course, mm-hmm. is somebody who actually manages to be multidiscipline spellcaster, you know, yes. setting aside, setting aside <laughs> the human versatility, picking up other thread weavings to cast multidiscipline spells. If you actually go and are a multidiscipline spellcaster, you can advance through those circles like super super quick. So, real quick. As a way to counterbalance that, basically increasing the cost of those second disciplines by bumping it up a tier where your second discipline cost talent ranks basically cost the same as the talent ranks for your primary discipline if you're a journeyman, okay? At that point then Picking up that second discipline is not quite as mechanically advantageous in terms of your legend awards. I mean, it's still a little bit cheaper because you can pick up some low ranks in, in whatnot, but it, but it does, I think, mechanically discourage something. And it wasn't just fourth edition. Third edition did it. It was looked at in second edition. Like this was a recognized problem within the Earth Dawn community and different approaches have been made. <laughs> you know, the, 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 so. That's, I mean, there was a lot of thought that went into that and basically looking at the numbers and saying, okay, if this is going to be allowed and not allowing it when you're doing the yes. subsequent editions would have been sacrilegious, I think, within certain areas of, of things. It's like, it's okay. That can of worms has been opened. We've got to allow it. What is a way that we can mechanically, like, not necessarily 
punish but disincentivize the the ease of which that was done mm-hmm. in previous editions. So yeah, th- so that's basically that's basically what it came down to is that it uses the third edition framework because I was involved in developing the third edition framework <laughs> for for second disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, I I worked those <laughs> numbers and and said, well, this isn't perfect, but it does more than than what it did previously, um, and makes it a little bit more expensive to pick up those second disciplines so people can do it if they want and you know and go from there it no longer necessarily feels quite as kind of kind of level the playing field then yeah it no longer feels quite as breaking like i i have like i often say that (laughs) there is like you can diversify pick up a second discipline and dilute your or increase the number of tricks that you have available and that that Mm -hmm diversity that versatility it's like the versatility talent to a certain extent means that you need to sacrifice a little bit of top end power in order to 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 gain those more abilities in the first edition point costing system that basically didn't happen that the amount that the that the amount that you would spend you did not lose enough off of your top end to make it anything except a, a an ideal choice even not necessarily from a pure power gaming standpoint so that's mm-hmm. where <laughs> it's it's okay. Let's make it a little bit more expensive and it works okay. You know, we can't we can't go back and put the put the genie back in the bottle as far as no multidisciplining isn't allowed. If we could do that, no. if we could do that, that holy cow, that like the design headaches that we run into <laughs> um like, you know, it's it's really easy if you're looking at a single discipline in isolation to to yes. avoid like truly broken combinations you just don't give them things that that are broken mm-hmm. right Overlap. but yeah. if you start looking at multidisciplining and versatility you need to consider the possibility when you are coming up with a new talent right that somebody who isn't intended to get it is going to get it and how does that interact with all of yes. the other 150 talents that have been created? Does this create any potentially like super mm-hmm. broken, abusive combos? And that's why a lot of the more yeah, bizarre yeah. stuff mm-hmm. is gated now in, in the companion. And again, this is something that, that came out of Morgan's work is gated as Nax because you can't pick up Nax under versatility. And that at least shuts that down as a potential, uh, uh, you know, ab- abusive yes. avenue. So. Recognizing where those potential abuse points are and finding ways to gently prevent them from happening. Nudge. So yeah, I just did. I just did twenty minutes. <laughs> so that was twenty minutes on multidisciplining. <laughs> we were discussing how long I could go on about Forge Weapon the other day. So it is not a case of no further thought. Josh just gave you twenty minutes of all that further thought. There was a there was a lot of thought and a lot of ink, digital and real, spilled over discussions of balancing multidisciplining over the course of the past 30 years yeah blood blood sweat and tears <laughs> so that is it for our email at this time uh if you have an email to follow up on anything else we've talked about or something you want us to talk about next topics that we haven't quite gotten to yet we'll hold those for those podcasts but email us at edsg podcast at gmail.com and it is now time for the other half of the podcast we'll get to talk about threads briefly yeah. Which was that yeah, briefly. It was briefly. But do do a little yeah. bit of do a little bit of, of, of magic theory stuff here. Because threads were spoke both as a power source to yeah. power your spells. And then they also work as an attachment to other items, place people, places, right. and things to imbue your essence into them as well. So threads kind of serve a double yeah. duty. So so the way that I will try not to get too Yeah, the way <laughs> the way that I tend to look at it is that that the thread is kind of the basic unit of magical energy um and that and that ultimately mm-hmm. a a pattern is made up of threads and and so basically when a magician is weaving threads to cast a spell or a mm-hmm or an adept is is weaving a thread to a magic item that they are taking a a bit of magical energy and and again i i don't necessarily think that this is that that a thread is quantified within the setting to the extent that i'm talking about here but that that basically they are taking a a bit of magical energy and mm-hmm. using it to to add magical power to something right whether that is temporarily yes. in the form of a spell or whether that is mm-hmm. effectively permanent in the case of a, of a magic item. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the way that, that, that I look at it. 
Uh, fair. I have actually taken to naming my portable uh, cell phone battery red. <laughs> <laughs> when I travel on business trips, that's my uh, my backup power battery for my phone, just in case I'm not near a mm-hmm. wall outlet with a USB. I plug it in, and it's that thing is called thread. So where's my thread? That that's we 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 all do those sorts of things. I, I haven't done that, but the um <laughs> like my 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 backup drive is named Great Library. Yes. So there you we go. we my Kindle. My Kindle, uh, so that I occasionally download some some ebooks too, and all that is called the Great Library of Thrill. <laughs> yeah, you know, so so this kind of like everything has a pattern, and the mm-hmm. pattern is magical energy, basically your your, your essence. essence. And, and I, I again, I like to think of it as as the threads are sort of that basic unit of of magical energy. Yeah. Because when you walk into like an open space park, it has a different energy flow than if you walk into like, say, a crowded mm-hmm. arena or it has a different space than you walk into like your local cafe to get a cup of right. beverage. So all of those have their own little – and since all of those are named, you have a park name, you have an arena name, you've got a cafe name just for three examples. You've got the name that goes along with that energy to kind of solidify what that feeling is on a s- cellular level. Yeah. I guess an esoteric type, you know, depending on how in depth you want to get with your descriptions and and role playing and whatnot, you could, we don't want to in this one. Well, but no, I'm (laughs) like talking about in in general, you, you could certainly like take that notion and extend it to the idea that you could be presenting bits of magic with, with different flavors for, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although, to be fair, the sort of support fiction and whatnot uh, of the Earth Dawn material doesn't really support or address that much in any way. If if you can track down a copy of Prophecy, which is a one of the early Earth Dawn novels by Greg Gordon, oh yes, the the main character, the the primary PO point of view character in that novel is a wizard, and there is a lot of actually really interesting insight into astral sensing and threads and stuff like that that is included yes. in the yes. in that book and descriptions of of spell casting as well in terms of how at least this particular character experiences mm-hmm. it yeah i actually i actually bought that book in bulk i actually went on ebay and found it for pretty cheap actually and got six copies and handed out to all six of my players and said read <laughs> this because this is how spells and astral yeah. space and all the threads work and you know it's a it's a cracking good yarn as well it is uh my 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 best takeaway from that novel was the whitewater yes. beverage that he was, yep. the character really. was able to order and my players asked where they could get the crystals and the certain beverage and they make it around the campfire every once in a while on their own just for a kick so i i allowed that to happen <laughs> since i fed them the novel I so yeah happen, you know the, so. so 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 you've got patterns and everything has a pattern Basically, mm-hmm. and and the pattern basically being the astral reflection of the thing and its and its magical nature, and yeah. a lot of stuff just has kind of really simple basic patterns, and there's not much of anything that you need to you know special with regards to it. Um, but then you have your true patterns, um, and this is where you get into your magic items and your people and your named places. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, Allcroft's Theater in the city of Europa. Um, is a is a named mm-hmm. location, and so it has a true pattern. Um, and one of the things that yes. you can do with threads, and this is sort of key to the entire magic item theory of Earth Dawn, is that as you learn things about the true pattern of a named person, place, or thing, you can tie mm-hmm. a thread to it, connecting your own pattern yes. to that pattern, and that relationship can provide you with bonuses or enhancements or potentially you can use your own power to increase or enhance the other um, a lot of a lot yes. of player characters understandably use it to enhance their own stuff but you can use it to support yeah. or in, or enhance the the uh, existing true pattern we call that writing the coattails yeah. the um <laughs> and so the, these permanent threads whether you are using them to we we you know enhance magic items or, or whatever they do cost legend points to get that bonus because it is a long-term enhancement and just from within the sort Mm -hmm. of the the framework anything that you are going to get as a long-term benefit generally speaking uh is going to 
should cost should 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 cost should cost some legend points um obviously we give some stuff away for free blah 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 but you know at at that point but you you are making a conscious decision as a player as a character to enhance your yourself in this way now one of the other cool things that this extends to in terms of magic theory is the ability to deliberately create a true pattern um that is Mm -hmm. by saying the group a group of people can perform a magical ritual that creates a true pattern that they can then tie themselves to 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 interact with the group as a metaphysical concept and enhance their own abilities when interacting uh with said group um and pursuing the the goals uh aka uh the justice league or the avengers yeah the ju- yeah exactly right exactly now. you know or yeah. or anything along those lines uh, that's the first one i could think of <laughs> And so um, the other thing that I maybe want to is a direction there, and I'm not coming up with a good segue, so I'm just going to go right into it. There, There is also nope. – so at that point, we've talked about magic items, right? You find the name of the item mm-hmm. is the first thing, and, and you gradually increase the, the key yes. knowledges, and that is a very structured format. You've got the, the group true pattern where you create the group, and mm-hmm. there are it – is, it is more freeform in terms of what you can – provide the bonuses to based on the the threads that you weave to it um and sort of an extension of that it's related to pattern magic where we're talking about like weaving a thread to a place or to another person where you need to have a a a magical item called a pattern item which is a small related like not its own magical thing but is related in some metaphysically important way um either physically or spiritually or whatever to the the named place right mm-hmm. uh that like by having that you you are able to connect to the larger true pattern through that item and there is a lot of attempts to use a a character's own pattern items in that regard mm-hmm. and yes. i like if you want to do that, you make a group true pattern. Like that is the purpose of of, of that. I, I feel, yeah. um, and that the 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 pattern item magic and using pattern items to to a person, place, or thing is more intended as a story MacGuffin mm-hmm. rather than a particular goal for long term power increase. Yeah, in that you know that that because of the connection and whatnot that a pattern item has to its progenitor especially for people they are very important i mean it is basically the the loss of a pattern item the theft of a pattern item mm-hmm. that resulted in king varulus the third being killed by the denerastus they got a hold of a pattern item yes. and were able to use that as the focus of a ritual to kill him remotely yes the the dragon statue that appears for the first time in infected is a, a pattern item for the great dragon Icewing. And he is very interested in yes. getting it back, understandably, <laughs> because like that falling into the wrong hands would be devastating potentially to him. I mean, he is very powerful and it would take somebody very powerful to do anything significant to him on that scale. But still, yes. it is potentially there is there is much that could be potentially learned from that. I was thinking of an outside uh, outside Earth Dawn example, which is the ring of power for the um, Lord of the Rings. In his connection to mortal. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you could certainly do an interpretation of that, where because because Sauron put some of his power and will into the ring itself, that the ring is not mm-hmm. actually a distinct magical item, but that it is a pattern item for Sauron. And if you were doing that sort of in an, in an Earthon flavor, you could certainly run it that way. Which is why when the ring yeah. was destroyed, that it undid him. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do that sort of thing when you are working under a different magical paradigm. Uh, but that's definitely an argument that True. could be made. You could also certainly, certainly have the ring itself be just a magic item that as you gain ranks yes. and, and are sort of more bonded to it has more influence and control negatively over you. Um, it's a, it is a cursed mm-hmm. item in, in one cursed respect. Item. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was just trying to provide an extra, extra example. Yeah. So, you know, th- there's, there's, there's that sort of thing, but that a pattern item should be the focus of a story for a particular reason, I think, like generally speaking, then... Yeah, it's it's massively important. I wouldn't just have it as a toss-off. Well, yeah, I mean, so. they, are, they, are, they are important. 
I see questions and discussion come up from time to time about about people worried about their pattern items and finding out what their pattern items are and stuff like that. From my own standpoint as a game master and 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 whatnot, I would not want my players to be worried about me being a jerk and taking their pattern item to use against them unless we had already discussed that as a possibility within the within the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people, powerful individuals within Earthdawn would absolutely be very interested in keeping track of their pattern items. And I think it is possible fairly easily within the the, the narrative framework of Earthdawn to actually discover that something is a pattern item. Like detecting the finding out that something is a magical item is not difficult. And and I yeah. think that a a successful use of item history on a pattern item would reveal basically that it is a pattern item. And at that point, you would need to find out who or what it is a pattern item for in order to be able to take advantage of that there. I mean, there are other ways to do it, but that but that's fairly easy to sort of confirm. I, I would think from my own way that I, that I approach that, but I also approach it as a pattern item, just generic pattern item should have a particular role in a story rather than just something that is being thrown around casually. casually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, but I mean, cool. there are different ways to approach it. I certainly don't want to, to <laughs> poo poo or like run over anybody's ideas in, in terms of that sort of thing. But from a magical theory standpoint from a canon magical theory standpoint you cannot weave threads to your own pattern items to enhance your power that the that the, that the point yeah. of a pattern item is in the relationship between two distinct true patterns it's like mm -hmm. basically connecting a battery to itself you're not going to get any additional charge out of it yeah you can't recharge your own <laughs> your own power bank from itself. It yeah. Um, that, that basically what's happening when you are weaving a thread between two pattern items is you are allowing magical energy to flow in one direction or another between those true patterns. And if you are weaving a thread to your own true pattern, you're, you're draining energy off to put it right back in. So you're not going to be getting anything out mm -hmm. of that. Look, if you want to do something bizarre and handle it differently in your own game, that's fine. Again, same rule. Be consistent. Don't ask me. Don't ask me questions about it, though, because I will look at you funny and, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. If it's not in the book. <laughs> and, and the other thing that I want to say is, and we do this a, a bit, is that more powerful and more advanced examples of I, I don't want maybe to try and wrap up here unless you have some more points, yeah. but maybe to try and wrap up here. I do. Bro not. Broadly speaking. I kind of want magic in Earth Dawn, at least certain areas of magic, to still be kind of mysterious and magical. Okay? Yes. And and I think I think pattern magic and thread magic is an area where there is a lot of room for that to happen. And when you start getting into larger patterns and 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 interactions and stuff, bizarre things can happen. Um especially when you start dealing with powerful figures like say passions or great dragons who know a lot about magic and, and understand it a lot better. I like doing weird stuff with magic and trying to figure out how it can be a different... Like, basically, for example, group patterns are a particular, mm -hmm. slightly off-track expression of otherwise bog-standard pattern magic. Right. Like it is a sort of mm -hmm. specifically carved out in its own special case here. And I think there is plenty of room for that to be explored in other areas to make some strange magic. I don't want it all to be like nailed. There are certain aspects of magic, like spell magic and whatnot, that are fairly well understood and nailed down. But when you, st I, I like to have and see the potential for more esoteric and bizarre and unusual stuff to be out there on the fringes of what we understand magic to be <laughs> with scare quotes around that yeah. being that it's all fictional anyway, and we can make <laughs> up what we want, but trying to yes. figure out how that fits within the existing understood framework of like there were like understanding that ultimately all of magic comes down to the, the interaction of patterns and the expression of magical power through patterns. Like how can this sort of be explained in a, in a patterny kind of way? And go from there. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I just love the fact I always try and keep in mind that there should be a certain wow mm-hmm. factor as well when you get into those higher, way higher level things like pattern items and group yep. patterns that it's not just, eh, no, no, no. This is Earthon. There is a wow yeah. factor. So I just try and keep that. You know, that, 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 so, that, that yeah. the, the interaction with more powerful pattern magic and, and mm-hmm. the things that, that might be involved in that should inspire a sense of wonder and perhaps a little bit of nervousness when you are kind of potentially dealing with something that is so like potentially, yeah. Um, you know, (laughs) and and that's, that, that can be tough to convey in, in, in a, yeah, I mean, it it can be, it can be, it can be tough to convey in, in the sense of, of like handling that tone at the table. I certainly understand that it's, that it can be tough to convey in as far as the, as far as the presentation in the books, because we want to get the the mechanics there and sort of talk about kind of what's going on. But when we're talking about that, like the, how the mechanics work and when you've only got so much space to like get stuff down and it's a choice between, well, we need to get the mechanic rules in place mm-hmm. or we need to ramble on for five paragraphs of esoteric like. <laughs> whatever the 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 rambling unfortunately does kind of tend to, to end up being the the secondary you know the the words that get cut on the altar of page count so yes that happens one of those things cool uh thank you josh for the enlightenment on threads yeah I was, you know i i wanted to about a decade to figure out that the thread was the power because yeah, the word doesn't have an association there otherwise so, yeah, so, so anybody who was sort of paying attention a couple of weeks ago might have noticed that we had a rather deliberate end to our, like a deliberate and sudden end to our episode. Um, that was because just as we were wrapping up, my <laughs> internet went down. It, like, just, like, fortunately, we weren't like in the middle of an episode, but we were, we were like just wrapping up doing our kind of like closing thoughts and my internet went down. And so it was just kind of like, okay, well, then I, this yeah. is. Yeah, this is this is where we ended. And what I what I wanted to lead into was, okay. in one of our next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about threads and patterns. If you have questions, please send them in, um, because I know that is an area that a lot of people have questions about. So I will say. If you have questions about patterns and and threads, please feel free to send us an email here and and we will do our best to uh, address them. EDSG podcast at gmail dot com. Or other aspects of magical theory. Or, or other aspects of magical theory. Alternately, uh, you know, as we have said before, um, we've got the, the Earth Dawn Guild Facebook group, uh, which is a good group of folks and a lot of people that, um, are there and willing to offer their own two cents and ideas and whatnot, understanding that everybody comes at it a little bit differently and you may run into some things that, that, um, you know, might seem a little bit off kilter at first and that's okay. No, you know, no, no problems there. Cause, um, people are, people are, yeah, because we are only in well, uh, but but also that that everybody is everybody is creative and comes at things with their own interpretation and has their own background and understanding and experience of, of what they're doing with and ideas of what they want to do with Absolutely. it that that may you know to a to more or less extents line up with the with what we as a development team kind of have in mind for stuff. And some people might want to go a bit more gonzo, and and that's cool. I I understand that there is a a resurgence in some respects to a little bit more like gonzo kitchen sink like setting development that you see, particularly in the in the indie community, um, where you see a lot of stuff that kind of harkens back to the to the old days of um, like where you'd have to talk about D and D for a sec, like Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, which was Dungeons and Dragons, but featured a dungeon that was basically a crashed spaceship. <laughs> right. Um, I think that was the, the mod was, ex, was Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, where were like a lot of the, the monsters that were in it were, were aliens and like had stuff like that. And so you had a, a really kind of like pulp era, like mashup sci-fi fantasy kind of stuff that you would sometimes see, like, from like the Barsoom books yes. and, and stuff like that. Some people want to do that with their earth on and, and that's cool. And so you may run into that. Of course, alternately you can, you can follow me uh, on Twitter. Yeah. And, and post me a question there. We've got the facet discord, um, which the, the links to all of these things I put in the show notes every week. So feel free to, uh, to check those Absolutely. out. Absolutely. So that 
should be the briefest overview we can possibly give you about threads. <laughs> it's 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 difficult to discuss them without having like specific questions maybe that people want addressed. Uh, yeah, if you have a character um, like, or go situation and, to bring to us that might Yeah, help then then it's a, a little bit easier. I mean, you know, read the sort of workings of magic the the theory chapter in the player's guide kind of covers the the basics yeah. um and i have done what i can to try and clarify and the um the stuff there yeah. um but yeah it like this inside. this is one of those areas that that i that i understand can be a little bit weird because it's very kind of metaphysical and more a lot more in depth than you get in other role playing games and can be maybe a little bit difficult to wrap your head around but it's also one of the things that makes Earthdawn kind of so special and different, and I am absolutely happy at, at any time, clearly time available, of course, <laughs> to try and help people navigate those difficulties. Yeah. So, okay, folks, we're at uh, a little bit more than an hour as usual. Otherwise, I thank John for keeping the Earthdawn light burning for all of us, getting all those other products coming out for us as fast as they possibly can, and the rest of the team, by all means, they should get all the credit uh, uh, that they deserve as well. So other than that, folks, we're done for now. We'll see you in a week or so, and thank you for listening. Now, go make your own legend. Good night. Good night.